Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. Now, Lauren, this is a very extra special Kill Me Now because Lauren is not here. Lauren is in Hawaii, so no one will be interrupting me because my oldest, bestest friend Howard is here, and he is going to show Lauren how it's done, aren't you, Howard? Yes, I am. Thank you. You're welcome. Howard and I um, went to college together. He was my... uh, Preceptor, also known as R.A., and he is the one who made me do stand-up comedy for the first time. And the reason I wanted him here is because our guest today has, I mean, I've known, how, how long, 30? Uh, yeah, I would just, yeah, 30 years, maybe? 30 years. Yeah. And, oh my God, I have loved him from day one, but he gave me one of my most signature pieces of my entire comedy act of my life that people still stop me on the street and say, 
And if you want to know what that is. I do. It's Judy's show! <laughs> yeah! And there's blood running out of my nose. Right, you got to move the mic up. I'm close. Yeah, you. It's a I've podcast. never seen you so comfortable with that thing shaped that way close to your mouth. Yo, please, you know that, I that love it. That is an it. audio dick joke. I fucking love it. Who am it. I? You want to introduce me? You don't fucking tell me how to do right. the podcast, okay? Sorry, it's a showrunner. And I'm right having here. a very kill me now day, okay? okay? So we're going to discuss that as well. All right. Michael Patrick King, who original you were an actor then you did stand up mm-hmm. with um I it did. was king and lisa mende we did Le- a, lisa we, mende we had yeah a comedy team you had a comedy team sort of fast comedy club improv right you did improv at yeah. manhattan punchline and yeah. then the two of you went out on your own mm-hmm. and did stand up and then we played vegas and we broke up after our gig in vegas right. the only thing that was bigger than our names on the marquee was gourmet buffet 995 right <laughs> And then I did stand up and came back to the improv. Right. And that's when. And then mm. you got a job. I'll just name some of the shows you've okay. worked on mm-hmm. Murphy Brown, mm-hmm. Will and Grace, Good Advice, Sybil, The Comeback. I don't know this show. Sex in the. The hell is that? It's Sex in the City. City? Mm hmm. Sex in the City. I've never heard of that. Yeah. There was, um, there was, it was on for six years. And then oh, there were two was movies. it on? Uh-huh. Oh, there were movies yeah, too. There were two oh, movies. wow, I wasn't in that. So <laughs> then, Two Broke Girls <laughs> is another one. I haven't heard of Two Broke Girls. Yes, you were because you were on. Oh, it. right, I was on that. <laughs> I got on that one. You were hilarious. Uh, thank you, because I got to play a rabbi. <laughs> yeah. Today, so, let me just say, um, you know, th- there is no climate change. It's fucking ninety degrees in New York City today. Is and it? I, no. Or just inside you, it's 90 degrees. You're, no, it's you're 98. Hot. It's got to be over 100. I'm so pissed off. No, it is I hot. A, what? It's hot. It is hot, yeah. Okay, so who else is hot? You are. <laughs> both of us. You right know why I you. love both of you? <laughs> right Red, hair. Uh-huh. Red hair. Red uh-huh. hair. One's yep. a Jew and one's Irish. Uh-huh. Patrick's on the boards, by the way. Say hi, Patrick. Hi. Okay, that's why we won't be hearing from Patrick for the rest of the show. So, you know, Kill Me Now, we talk a lot about the stuff that annoys me, but I I really want to talk to you guys first. But I had, you know, Ben is 6'4 now, he's 14. I had an extra long bed delivered. And. um, Wow, he's 6'4. So it's in the jeans. Where, where the fuck else would it be? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that are tall that don't have tall Oh, no. Kids. Six, four, 14. And what about the other one? 15's shoe. Henry is six, two. Wow. But he came out of Sharon. Mm-hmm. But her brother's we both really said, tall. Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> I know. It's like we know where to go yes. backup right. singers. <laughs> right. Sharon, mm-hmm. Sharon is a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, we didn't say it in the mm-hmm. gay way. We said it in the... Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. This is the gay way. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, Ben decides he's not going to school today. I wake him up at 7. I wake him up at 7.09. I wake him up at 7.17. Please, please. And Henry's like, yeah, he doesn't. Like, he just doesn't go to school today because there's no, it's all movies all day. Yeah. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Wait, there's no school? What do you mean it's all movies all day? He's like, all we're doing is watching movies. Mm. Oh, because it's a fake day? Because it, most oh, because people it's are, yeah, yeah, no one is, right. all the pu- private schools are closed. Right, that's what he told mm-hmm. you, it was a movie right. day, I'm, and you he, believed it. Because I you know, have no control. I told my mother in fourth grade that we were reading the same chapter every week, and that I was caught up. 
And then at the end of the year, I was 100. Okay, look at you now. Look at you now. So shut the fuck up. So let Ben sleep in. So Ben has a very good career ahead of him. Yeah, and so Henry... Um, just sleeps. Like, that's all he fucking does. He had a doctor's appointment at 1045. I woke him up four times. He's like, no, you didn't. He, I said, you know what? If you're not going to go to your fucking doctor's appointment, you can call them yourself. So he calls them and changes his doctor's appointment to January 5th. I'm not fucking doing anything for them anymore. You, well, seem, when, you seem to be actualizing them. When did he come home from school? Who? Henry. I don't know. Friday? Oh. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Michael Patrick King. Yes. So Michael Patrick King yes. uh, is from Scranton, New York. PA. I mean PA. Close. What the fuck? I'm losing my fucking mind. You're from Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. What is less Scranton? Gla- less glamorous than Scranton, New York would be. Right. I think. Scranton, New York's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Scranton, That's where. PA. Um, yeah. So now, and you're uh, from an an Irish Catholic. Correct. What number child are you? I am the second of four. Right. I have three sisters. Mm-hmm. So I'm the only boy, which sort of destroys the caste system, because when you're the only one of things, then maybe you're the favorite, maybe you're not. You know what I mean? You're the only boy. Right. But you're sort of a girl now. That's not true. I know. So, Zip. Uh, Zip. <laughs> Funk. Okay. So, um, now did, and strict Catholic upbringing. Yeah, very Irish Catholic. You know, my 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 mother ran a Krispy Kreme. No and, way. And my father was a janitor and delivered beer. No fucking well, way. Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. She was a manager, and every one of my sisters worked at that Krispy Kreme. Now she, worked, she went from the this is this is the Irish Catholic growth success. She started at the counter, wound up at the office and the counter. Wow. So that is the oh most you can achieve if you're, if you're lower middle class Irish. Wow. So did you get free Krispy Kreme? Constantly. Uh, when I was a Cub Scout, you know how they do like drives and raffles right. and stuff? We would do a donut drive. And I remember this day, every day the Cub Scouts would come to our house and our entire dining room was filled with boxes of donuts. Just stacked high and people would come and get their 40 boxes that they'd sold. No like way. Girl Scout cookies, only Krispy Kreme donuts. Were they warm? Sometimes. There's nothing better than a warm glaze. Yes. With a glass of cold oh, milk. Yeah. I would know my mother was home when I came home from school and I would see You little, could smell. Smell and little powdered sugar footprints. Really? Yeah. Wow. I would have been a fat fuck. Were you fat? We ate donuts for breakfast and we would fall asleep at like the first period. <laughs> That's great. So you're all scholars. <laughs> Actually, yes. Okay. So... Were you fat? I need to know. Never fat. What about Tiny, your sisters? Though. Well, first of all, my my thing is, you talk about tall. I was four foot eleven when I graduated from high school. No way. Wow. Yeah, I you grew, were. I, I grew twelve inches my first year of college. No oh way. Yes. Didn't that hurt? It did. It was clumsy. I would <laughs> right. break things. I'd walk by cabinets. Dishes would fly out and smash on the ground. Oh, I still do that. Yeah. And everyone fucking is like, "Yo, you're such a klutz." It's like you don't realize how. Like you say, "Oh, I'm gonna get that." But you don't realize that your arm is so much longer than you think it is. Well, I never realized that. And, right. And um, yeah, I was. My whole identity was I'm the. I you were the little short the, Irish Elfie kid. I looked exactly like somebody that Strawberry Shortcake, the cartoon character, would go to the prom with. Right. When I had my little tux, it looked right. like something from a wedding cake for the junior prom. But did you go to the prom? Yeah, I went to every prom. Okay, I didn't. Go. Did you go to the prom? Howard? No, I didn't. Actually, isn't that shocking? Really? I yeah. thought you would go to the prom. No, you know what? I didn't because when I was the girl who I was dating when I was a senior, she didn't she didn't want to go to the prom. Although we still have 
you know, discussions about that even to this day. Who was it? It was Elise. That is ridiculous. Well, what'd you do on prom night? I actually went out with a friend of mine, and we went to a bar. And that was it. I pl- it was in a tent. It wasn't that big of a deal. I, me and my three friends in high school were in a tent. We slept in a tent in one of their backyards and smoked pot. Okay, okay. so. I invited a girl to the prom. Yeah. And I was so excited. Right. Right? And the whole thing was located around the bouquet for me. Uh-huh. Like, what bouquet are we going to get her? And she you comes, didn't know that, that oh, you were gay I then. I knew everything then. But okay. whether I said it or not right, is a whole ahead. other thing. But anyway, she comes down the stairs mm-hmm. in a pantsuit. Oh, my God. Mm. Is she a lesbo? Probably. What, you, hello? Why, would she, why else would she have said yes to go with me? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But anyway. Was, was she so taller than you? Taller. And in the picture, I'm standing on my toes. No way. Yeah, I got to see that picture. And holding flowers that I wanted to hold. Oh, Michael. It's fine. I'll okay. And were you involved in theater in high school? Uh, you couldn't be involved in theater in high school. There was no such a thing. I went really? To a Catholic high school. And I do remember in English really wanting to raise my hand when we read Midsummer Night's Dream. Right. Mm. Because I really knew I was born to play Puck. Right. But mm. I knew if I raised my hand, I would never hear the end of it. Right. So did, instead, I didn't. Did you get teased for being short? Yes, but mostly for being a sissy. Really? Because yeah. you don't mm. seem sissy ish. Well, thank you. I used to act. <laughs> Whatever. Um, it's fun. So when did you know? When did you know? Always. I mean, I always knew, too. Always. Howard hasn't figured it out yet. He's married <laughs> with three kids. Trying to get him to come out of the closet. No. Not you know happening. What? It's I everyone's know, journey, Judy. I know. Anyway. I'm um, sure the kids will love hearing this. Yes. Yeah. So... Everyone says it to him. I mean, he loves they show do tunes. They do not. Yes, they Why, do. Just because I like show tunes? Yes. So what? Everyone knows <laughs> that if you like show tunes. Yes, it's all about okay. the show tunes. All right. So, um, and your Lloyd sisters. What? Andrew Lloyd Webber's straight. You know what, Michael? I wanted you on the show. And I thought you you'd know? be a team player <laughs> well, with me. Howard? No. Can't. Can't. Okay, so I can't. Whatever's happening all right, go here fuck yourself. Yes. All right, okay. so you go to college. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you study theater. And? I did plays in high school. Right outside of high school, though. Right, like, and did. how about your siblings? Any any no, interest no, in the no theater? No theatricality in my family at all. I, I literally am an alien. There was there was no. I would put plays on in my backyard. Okay, and that's the true genesis of me. I was like, I would never be in them, but right. I would make my three sisters and the neighborhood kids put on plays on the picnic table. And you would direct and produce. I would write and direct and produce and tell people where to go. You love doing that. I do. It's I my know. natural That's thing. That's so fun. To put on a show. And then I got sidetracked. He's on my side. You see yeah. how it's happening? Yeah, this, I don't like this little team. All right, I don't sorry. fucking like up. it. Break Patrick, come on. Look, whose show is this? Look, Michael and I got Michael and I got here earlier before you, so Uh he and I had some time together. Shut the fuck up. Okay, so you're putting on these shows and and bossing everyone around Mm -hmm. like you always have. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm. Yeah. I used to watch Judy on stage, mm-hmm. and she. I would sit in the back of the comedy club. When oh, I was that's what I wanted to say, yeah. <laughs> when I was a stand-up, it was like, I was okay. I could make people laugh, yeah. sort of. I was good. I was entertaining. Right. Codependent with the audience. But I would sit in the back, and my real skill was I would look at people when they were going to do Letterman or something, and I would say, don't do that, don't do that. Right. And I would say to Judy, I would write for Judy in the back of the house. I would sit and go, Judy, you should say this. <laughs> She was so clearly perfect already, but you could write for her. 
Mm. Oh, Michael. It's true. So you nice. were clear. But it was so funny because at the improv, do you remember right. the improv on 44? Yeah, sure. And there was this side. <laughs> Side there door. was this side door, and I'd be on stage, and all of a sudden you'd hear, knock, 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 and it would be Michael outside. <laughs> because when I when I was a stand-up, I didn't have, they quit a tight 20 minutes. Right. So I had to be the doorman. Right. So I was outside picking up the grate. Right. Where urination covered right, grate. Right, 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 right. Change the beer tap. It, you can't get far from Christmas. And then he would fucking knock on the door. I'd be like, what's what? up? Fire! <laughs> it was so fun. And then you'd get on the back no- uh-huh, mic and uh-huh. just talk to me. Yeah. I mean, it was so much fun. It was really fun. And no one had cameras or phones and was recording you. or And it was such... A community. Yeah, like it was. I always think of the club as a high school. Right. At, and like our class was Ray Romano, right. me, you, John Stewart. John Stewart. David Tell was like a yeah. eighth grader, right. we were the freshman. And the seniors were like Carol Carol Leifer, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld. That's mm-hmm. true. And we were all, you get very close to people. I know. You're going on at three in the morning. Right. And it was so much fun to and just And just out and talk. so happy to get on stage. Yeah. And, and also to. To not get on stage right. and talk about that right. for an hour. Right. Why doesn't he like me? Right. I should be on. Why I'm the not fuck a is he act. getting spots? What a, he I has could, props. I could do song parodies too <laughs> right, right, if right, I would right. close. Right. Mm. Wow. I was with you your first time you went to the improv. Do you remember when Mm-mm. you went on open mic night? You was got, that Catch Rising Store or the improv? No, it was the improv. We, really? Yes. How'd you do right it. up front? Oh, sh- I, sh- I don't. I, I think, did you pass? Right away? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I always pass. That's rare. I passed there, I passed Catch, and I mm-hmm. passed the comic strip. I passed all of them. It was a big deal to pass. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really I remember I passed at Catch, and I was, I mean, I'd never get, I mean, I'd stay there all night. Joy would go on, and I'd hang out with Eve, her daughter, because mm-hmm. she was closer to my age. Mm-hmm. But I would wait, I didn't care, as long because the band laughed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, there'd be three people in the audience, but the band would watch me and laugh because usually they'd leave, and that's how I knew I was funny. Um, the first, I was the late night MC, and the the, right. the job for the late night MC was to keep the audience there just as long as you could to get as many people right. waiting at the bar on. If right. they could get their foot on the stage, right. they would get paid. Right. So one night I was handing it over to Ray Romano. Right. And it was like his one of his early sets and he was mm-hmm. going to bring up our friend Nancy Shane. Right. Who's a very eclectic act. Right. So he gets up on stage and some guys are talking and he goes, uh, 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 this next lady, uh, shut up or she won't blow you. <laughs> <laughs> What did she do? She got up on stage and did a piano parody yeah. and bombed. And then <laughs> and, everyone left. And then everyone left. Yeah. Oh, God, I remember. I remember when they'd hand it over to the late night MC. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So what, why did you end up doing stand? Like, first of all, it's you and Lisa Mende. Yeah. And everyone thought you were dating, right? No, no one thought we were dating. But you were so in the closet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you or did you not have a huge crush on Marty Rackham. That's an interesting question. Yes, thank you. I would say no, because I have what? very strong boundaries. I have very strong boundaries. And I made giant walls between me and any straight person. Truly. 
Really? Because Marty Rackham, what does he do now? He's a soccer coach. He lives in L.A. He is? Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. What did he do back then? So he was a stand-up. Yeah. Stand-up actor. Yeah, mm-hmm. an actor. Very handsome. Very, very likable. And He was a buddy. I liked it. It was yeah. like a friend of mine. Right. But I always, we all knew Michael was gay and we're like, when is he going to come out? When is he going to? Didn't you have a girlfriend a little bit? Um, not an official girlfriend. Whatever. He had fake girlfriends. And so, <laughs> but as, I was as like. As you do. But as you do, right? I but didn't have any very, fake. Bo- did I have fake boyfriends? No, you never did. No, because you're not a good actor. Yeah. Uh, oh <laughs> my god! No, that no is so mean. No. I wasn't well, supposed actor. to sit here and say that I had fake girlfriends. Yeah. All right. And you just said you did. But here's the thing. I want to put be very clear. But I always I, thought you had a crush on Marty Rackham. Okay, that's your particular drama. Okay. I didn't really think about that. Okay. But it's a very, very Were specific... you sexually active yes. during the... Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And did you feel guilt? Did you feel enormous shame? Enormous guilt, enormous shame, enormous struggle, enormous empowerment to come out. No joke. Quest of the life. So when do you think you officially came out like that? Because I know coming out, it is like... 400 pounds, you're lighter. You're a lighter human being. You're a... Uh... Look, I don't know how heavy you want to get on this, but you know you talked about your head girlfriends. There was a woman that I was very close to, mm-hmm. and I knew she was in love with me, and I knew that I couldn't go any further down this road. Right. Mm. And she, For I her bas- sake. Mm. For her sake. And I had basically walked the line, never abused her or anything like that, just never committed. And finally, I knew that she was the person... I had to free. Right. So I freed myself and her. Mm. And it was a very big deal. And but it was late. It was like 37. I know. But it was, did you feel like you were having an out-of-body experience? I, I actually, That's how I I actually felt. fell on the floor. Mm. You when did I not. I said the words, I fell on the floor. Crying. Wow. Yeah. No so, joke. See, the Catholic thing is hard. Yeah, very hard. Yeah. The Jew thing is fine because everyone's mental already. <laughs> so it's like... It could be a number of things it's, when you... It's, look, yeah. you, there's always the first wave of societal yeah. that right. you get from the time you're born. Right. You start getting, uh-oh, you better right. change who you are. And right. I, yeah. I think like when you're Howard, five... Howard, you can't say yeah. No, I'm listening. I, right, I'm no. being I very sympathetic. I am. When you're five, yeah. you're really yourself. Right. Whatever that means. Right. Then you start to get the signals. Right. So you build what I think is like a scaffold around yourself mm-hmm. and you create... Mm-hmm. A false self that right. you convince yourself is, or that you can see. use when you're outside. Yeah, and also, this is who I'm going to be. Yeah, and then you think people don't know, and then you tell me people do know, and it depends. Well, on I think I, I, I already, no, I I'm thought fine. so. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you mean, mean outside, uh, right, 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 objective, right. like we all knew. Yeah, so some people are like, oh, it's no big deal. Other people are like, really? So did Lisa? So you're with Lisa Mende. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did she have any idea? Because I, I really never talked about it with her. Okay. I'm sure she did. Okay. She was married to Dom Herrera. Right. I was like their child. Right. We were playing the comedy circuit. Right. It was, you know, I used to go a lot of long walks. Here's the, the key. If anyone's going for a lot of long walks, right. they're either on fire inside trying to figure shit out. Right. Can you say shit? You can say fuck, cunt. Okay. Yeah. Or they're going to get blowjobs. <laughs> right. It's one or two things. Right. But if your kid's out taking a long, long, long walk. Long walks. Right. They're working stuff through. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, 
you do stand? How did you and Lisa? So you're you're doing stand up and you're making a living. We made a living, and that's, yeah, the comedy was the first time I was able to make a living because I came to New York to be an actor. I was okay. Then I I started writing for I started writing plays, and as right. soon as I started writing plays, I started getting a little bit more traction. And the comedy was the first time I really got money. Right. You know, because you could... That's what I was saying about the improv. I was thinking, actually, I didn't say it was how great it was. You could really Mm -hmm. show up and on your merit and your balls, you could actually make money. Right. Whereas I knew thousands of actors that couldn't... That couldn't make money. Couldn't make money and couldn't actualize any sort of recognition because they needed a troupe. Right. Okay. And you... So you and Lisa... Mm -hmm. what? Can you explain the act? It was kind of yeah, like... Yeah, it was like, uh, we did improv. We would right. say, give us, we're going to stop, you fill in the word, and right. then we would make the audience laugh. Right. And we would do sometimes very elevated stuff like mm-hmm. theater styles right. or television styles, but mostly it was freeze. Right. Well, look at you, the big-breasted lady. And right. And we would scream, and we did Baltimore and <laughs> right. New York and Boston and wherever. Right. But we were funny and facile. Okay. And then what drove you to break up? We were done. You just said, this is it, we're done. done. It was also interesting because we were in a completely different economic situation. Right. She was married and had an income with her husband. Right. And I had no money. Right. And after a while, when you're... Basically, it was a relationship, but the sex was on stage. Right. Mm -hmm. We just ran through it. We were really connected. Right. And it was really sick of each other. As a matter of fact, we did an off-Broadway show, off-off-Broadway show called Them. And we were in the middle of rehearsing it. Right. And we had pushed ourselves so hard. And at one point, she said to me, I hate you. And as she said, I hate you, she threw up. Oh, my God. I hate you. (laughs) It was in there so long and so violent. And I was like, Wow. That's the truth. Did you, she get puke on you? Just on the floor. Uh-huh. I hate you. Like, okay. Are you I'm, fucking kidding me? No, it was the most, like, the fact that she said it finally made her physically ill. Mm. She probably had a reason. But we were really connected, and then... It was so, was that much. the end of your relationship? She, no, she pukes? No. Who cleans up the puke? Me and her. <laughs> Wait, the you Irish clean guy. up the puke. The Jew walked away, and the Irish guy picked, cleaned All up right, the puke. All right, so the Irish guy <laughs> picks up the puke. It wasn't that much. It was just enough. Right. And then do you the hug? Do you say, I hate you no, too? No, no, no. It was separation, separate mm-hmm. corners, come back tomorrow in the spirit of the theater yeah. to rehearse. And <laughs> how was great. the next day? To wear a raincoat. Did she? <laughs> the fever broke. <laughs> I Did came she? Back the next day, like a Gallagher concert. Uh, I had yeah. a complete yeah, right, right, right. all around me. Wow. But then we wound up going to Vegas, and I remember we were we were on stage, and I thought to myself, she really doesn't want to be here, and I think it's fun still. Oh, mm. that's sad. And then she didn't become a stand-up, and I did. I right. went on to become a stand-up. Right. But we ended really well. I was so blessed. It was so much fun. We did. Get ready. Merv Griffin. What? We did Merv Griffin. I love Merv! We did the Merv Griffin show, his last, like, six shows. Oh, my God. Ooh. You got ass back? Yes. Wow. What year was this? I don't remember. Whatever Merv Griffin stopped. We were out in L.A. trying to make it at the improv in L.A., which was a whole other scene. Right. Speaking of throwing up, I would walk (laughs) around the block sick to my stomach before I went in that club. Because, really? You know, like, oh, Robin Williams, and, and like, maybe you're going to get on, and you're hanging out at the bar. Mm-hmm. Oof. Meant you too know, much. I had such a different attitude um, 
because all I wanted to do was be a, a better comic and just do stand up and do stand up and do stand. That's you know yeah, you were fierce. Is, yeah. And I say this with absolute honesty: the difference is you weren't hiding, and I mm-hmm. was. So me walking in a room, right? Oh, right, right, right. And me actually, one time we were playing a comedy club in Connecticut, and yeah. I'm still in the closet. Treehouse. Uh, Jack Billy Jack's Cafe. Oh yeah, comedy. yeah, yeah. Go. Billy Jack's Cafe of Comedy. He <laughs> hey, uh, Michael, Michael, what time are you gonna be at Billy Jack's? <laughs> Billy Jack's Cafe of Comedy. Lisa and it's and it was the stage was completely covered in gold shag rug that went right. up the wall, and there were conquistador shields. And we used to do this thing where I'm Michael King, I'm Lisa Mandy. We're gonna come to we're gonna come for improvisation. We're gonna ask you for suggestions. And we used to wear black and white, and I had a black and white tie with stripes. And and I and there's right at my feet. There's like four redneck guys and I'm in the middle of saying my thing I'm Mike King this is Lisa Mindy and I hear one guy say look at this fucking jerk off ass ass faggot asshole no and way I was like whoa I felt like Alice in Wonderland I just fell yeah. through the floor and I just kept talking mm-hmm. I was like bah, yeah bah, 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 bah. so I was hiding so I was terrified of going on stage and you were mm-hmm. not because you were not hiding well I also had been humiliated every day of my life in high school so none of that. I was like, been there, heard that, well, Howard, go fuck yourself. Howard was telling me before you came here today when we were talking that you were in college a natural. And we both agree that you're a complete natural. Yeah. Thank you. You are. You were so, so screamingly funny back then, even before you were doing stand-up. Thank you, Howard. I, Thank you, Michael. It's true. You I are. mean, literally, you are clearly... right. And like when we brought you out for Two Broke Girls, it's just I'm going to bring Judy out, mm-hmm. and I can just tap that. Who right. is the who laughs the loudest? Howard still laughs. At, <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. It's really that's great. I know. I like because How I, often you know do you two see each other. Um, we talk a lot. We talk a lot. Yeah, but not often. How did enough. you maintain a relationship this many years? Oh my oh. God! I don't know because you know what we've we we've always stayed in touch. Well, first of all, when when I lived in L.A., you used to come out and you'd see, yeah, you really visit, stayed with me. Yeah, I. I don't know. We bonded that first day of college, yeah. and That's my amazing. siblings yeah. were never nice to me. I love Judy, and we—I don't know. I mean, yeah. his whole family—he knew my parents. Yes, um, my sibling. I mean, I, you know what? You and I always would had you it. be married yeah. in yes. a different world? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. The first time, I, I, when I was a freshman in college at the theater department, we, I went to a party at the head of the theater department's house. And we were all like, it was like September. Right. We mm-hmm. go in, and he lived in a cottage on Lake Erie. Right. So that's already, oh, I see one bedroom. With a bed in it, and then another room where he lived with the technical director, but the technical director's bed had a patchwork qu- quilt and collectible dolls. Oh, and that's the first my. time I ever went. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're together. At, at seventeen, you know my neighbor across the hall, Marjorie. She can see we can see in each other's apartment, but she figured it out because she had just met us, and. There apparently was laundry on the daybed for like a week. And she was like, oh, Sharon's been home and there's laundry on the bed. I mean, like it took her. They don't seem to take the laundry off the bed in the daybed. So anyway. That is such a good imitation, Marjorie. She does talk like that. 
Judy, hi. How are you? And everything's always fucking great with her. Anyway, before we get with Lauren, I want to tell you that you know, you are beloved in the comedy world. And oh, that means a lot to me. It's true. First of all, just that you would say that means a lot to me. And then you add the whole world. <laughs> um, Thank you. You, I had a spit curl because I was doing a show. <laughs> because I was doing a show in the, and it took place in the 20s and I grew a little spit curl. And then I kind of liked it. Uh-huh. And I, and I, it was on the side of my face. I literally, in the summertime, I would get tan, and then there'd be a little. And you came up to me one day at the improv, and you go, you want to know why you have that stupid spit curl? Because if you had your own show in the 60s, it would, you'd come sliding down a big spit curl singing, it's Judy Shaw! And it was... Because it was like my safety. Because then like, you would do it. I would do you it would all stand the time. On it and you would point. Yeah. <laughs> if there was silence, you would go. It's Judy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I it's loved right. it. By but, the way, probably the worst impression of me, only second to the one you did of your father. Okay. Fair enough. Marjorie, I guess. What about the, Howard, yeah, what about nailed, the Israeli? She, the Israeli. She, all I was thinking when you were doing that is. How can I write a part for Judy where she's in a Israeli? Oh, okay. Because um, I love to talk in the Israeli. <laughs> sure. And they don't. I love the therapist. That's because they know. don't. Now do an Israeli All right. uh, waitress. Uh, hello, welcome. Uh, what can, are you Arab? <laughs> what can I get you, Hamas? <laughs> Now, now do you want this, uh, ISIS with it. your water? Do now, you want ISIS with your water? Now, do you? Now doing this really We have six million uh, <laughs> items on the menu. Six million. Would you do uh, Israeli yes. babysitter? Uh, okay, Israeli babysitter. It would... What are you talking? Okay. Slash cat. Okay. Back to my beloved. When you were really the first one to go out to Hollywood, get a job, and I swear to God. Everyone, not one person was like, oh, fuck that Michael Patrick King, I got a job writing on Murphy Brown. Everyone was like, yay! You were mm-hmm. like the first. Because there were a lot of comics who were comics, but they weren't writers, even though they ended up being writers. But you were like, I'm um, fucking going out there, and you got a job on a hit show, and everyone talked about it and was thrilled in New York. Well... That's great. I actually loved my comedy friends. They were like, I didn't really have friends in high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, so me when, too. So when I got to the comedy club, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like the Marty Rackham. Oh, he's my straight friend that right. I never had. Oh, Judy's my tall. <laughs> my, my tall, my that tall, tall obnoxious. The Arthur. My yeah. Jew friend that uh-huh. I never had. She's my dyke Jew friend that mm-hmm. I was so sorely missing in my life. Right. Um, but so I'm, I feel good about that. I feel good. You know, everyone needs one. No, the best Collect was, all six. You know, I get on stage. I get on stage and he yeah. would say, you know what, Jew? <laughs> When you were born, no, wait, wait! I wrote you a joke. <laughs> when I, I was do, born, I do joke. I'm going to do it. I am so tall. <laughs> when I was born, 
My mother was pushing at St. Vincent's. The doctor was pulling at Mount Sinai. That's how tall I was as a child. That was the fucking funniest. Um, Uh But I loved everybody. But you were mm. also... You know when you walk in and there's like Mr. Miserable who's always it's still the same thing. They're all we're all mental comics, but there was always like you know David Tell, I wasn't funny, I wasn't funny, I wasn't, you know, um everyone was so such an individual mm-hmm. and but we were all such outcasts that we all yeah, just got each other, yeah. but you were like the bright light. Oh, like you man. were that is like so you'd walk in and be like you were the safety. You were the oh my God. you could always go to MPK oh and feel good. That makes me touched. Really? Yeah. That's it's nice. true. It's nice. Because I well because I was looking at people I liked. Okay. So you get this job on mm-hmm. Murphy Brown. Yeah. And everyone's wow. like, oh, my God. This is the local train. Right. <laughs> and you get, shut the fuck up. We're going to get to the other ones. And you get Murphy Brown. Right. And you were just a staff writer? Yeah. I, I um, Here's the thing. My career started, I was a waiter till I was 37. Right. I wow. didn't have my rent at 38. Right. And I started mm. working in television in New York. And I went to Hollywood at 38. And I was a... I was called a, a, a story editor. It was mm-hmm. an entry level. Right. And when I when I joined Murphy Brown, they were in their f- fifth year, right. and they were really the they were the shit. They right. were the yeah. best show right. on television. They were the mecca right. of TV writing. And Diane English, who was the showrunner, yes. was so brilliant. And it mm. was Peter Tolan, me, Tom yeah. Palmer, Gary. And there was a bunch. There were five of us. Mm-hmm. And in my first year, I went to meet Diane English, and she said, "You have to bring me five stories." And that was their fifth year, so they'd yeah. already done mm-hmm. right, eighty. Right. So How did I you actually, get the job? How huh? did you get the interview? I wrote a script oh, that okay. was not a Murphy Brown. I was on one show that got yeah. canceled, the Ryan O'Neill Farafoss. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I was on that show. I mm-hmm. wrote a script on that show. It was about a sports yeah. network. And I wrote a script about the pro caddy, the, the professional lady golfer in a dysfunctional relationship with her caddy. Right. And it was of hilarious script it never got filmed because the show got cancelled but because it was about golf which is so random one of the guys that I worked with on that show gave the script to Murphy Brown the guy who read it was a golf freak wow so he thought it was unique and so he brought me in and boom I met Diane and I brought five ideas in. and here's the interesting thing she said come in with five ideas and I remember you know you have those moments in your life where suddenly Literally, you grab yourself and say, what are you doing? Right, 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 right. Wake yeah. Up. Yeah. yeah. I was staying in L.A. and I, I went for my meeting with Diane and she said, come in with five ideas in two days. And I went back to the place I was staying and I laid down on the couch and I thought, come in with five ideas. Yeah, yeah, I'll come in. And all of a sudden, I literally grabbed myself by the shirt and said, get up. Start now. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not going to yeah. wing five ideas. Right, right, right. right. This is Murphy Brown. You're not going to yeah. just go right, in there and right, half-ass right. it. Mm-hmm. So I came up with five really original ideas. I went in, pitched them. I wrote all those out. Oh, my God. No fucking way. Every wow. single Slap idea. me five. Every Midas single idea. Touch. Every single script idea I came up with, I wrote my first five scripts. Were, we wrote oh 25 my scripts that year. I wrote five. You know what's amazing about... And they weren't perfect, but, but they were original. But if original. you had that opportunity... 
five years before, you wouldn't have been prepared. No, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have. And that's what this there business is about. about the crescendo of knowing. Right. Yeah. And also, there was another writer that we knew named Mike Rowe. Oh. And Mike Rowe was already out in Hollywood. Right. And I was on the phone talking mm-hmm. to him, and I was like, I don't want to go to Hollywood. My yeah. whole life will change. And he said this sentence to me. No one takes a 40-year-old story editor seriously. Mm. And I was like, if that's true, I have two years right. yeah. to get going. And it woke me up a little bit. How about a 53-year-old actor, comedian? Does anyone take that? All bets are off for you because you defy age. You defy... You're your own thing. Thanks. You will be 63, 73. Mm-hmm. But will I ever good. have... A show? A bathroom? A ba- another bathroom or ever have apartment? to not worry about money. Will I ever not have to worry about money? Go. It's... Very hard to just say that now. Mm. I probably could have answered mm. that better five years ago, not mm-hmm. because of you, but because where you. the business is now. People used to get a series. Oh, and get so much money. First of all, that mm-hmm. was 25 episodes. Right. Yeah. And the money was through the roof. Mm-hmm. Right. Even guest stars were a fortune. Right. Yeah. Right. And now it's all boutique television. Mm-hmm. You get maybe 10 episodes. Right. Which is Hulu. fine. But then I can get stuff... You're going to work, too. I know. I always work. So what show were you working on when you were out? Or were Murphy you in- Brown. Mm. I came out in Murphy Brown. Do you Brown think finally. because you went out there and no one knew you and it was like new start? It's really an interesting question because the only thing that was left after I started making money, you know you have voices in your yeah. head? No. My first voice, <laughs> my primary voice yeah. all those years was, I don't have any money. I don't have any that's money. That's mine. That's money. still my primary voice. I don't have any How money. How do I yeah. get rid I of the primary voice? Then I got money. So that yeah. fuck! then that quieted, <laughs> and then the only voice that was left is yeah. You have to tell the truth. You have to tell the truth. See, mm. I've been telling the truth. That's why I have no money. Okay. Because <laughs> I came out you too early. Right right. I did. Right. I talked about my kids in the mid '90s when mm-hmm. as a gay parent. I think it definitely it did not okay hurt you at so all. So why don't we put Lauren on so I can get over the guilt that Lauren keeps calling? But uh-huh. I, then I'm going on with my show. All right. Where? Lauren, we're in the middle of this whole thing, and it's like you're just interrupting again. Well, yeah, I mean, I figured you guys probably miss me, and like... No, Howard is great. He laughs at everything I say. He adds, Michael Patrick King, I've known him forever. He's like one of my heroes, and, you know, no one's interrupting me. Oh, so you're you're good then. Okay, don't make me feel guilty. <laughs> Lauren, it's nice, Lauren, it's nice of you to call in. This is Michael Patrick King. Well, I'm, thank you so much. I'm Irish and codependent, so I won't tell you what Judy's telling you. I'm happy you called. Whatever, Howard. Oh, hi, you know, Lauren. It's, a it's hard nice for me to hear. Uh, you. Is there what? any way to turn up the phone? No, there isn't. See? Okay. It's always a problem. <laughs> always a problem. Lauren, it's nice to talk I can to hear you. You're just fine, Judy. What about okay. Howard? Can you hear Howard? Can you hear me? I uh, can hear you, Howard. Aloha. Oh, Aloha shut no up. Kako. How's it? I'm just smoking a joint on the Okay, beat. bye. Gotta go. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This is what I have a high-end show here. Worry, work hard. Don't worry. I'm on, I'm on really nice property right now. I don't care. You're, it's everything. Every Facebook thing is you with a fucking joint. Hey, 420, 420. I have an audience that doesn't care about your pot smoking. <laughs> 
and I have an audience that does. Right, but we're you're, this is my audience, so you can That's do true. your pot smoking with your audience. So number one. What do one. I do? How do I? How just do I act split like it up? you just you can split it up. <laughs> you know, I can split it up. Hey. Okay, and I, even Michael's like, no. Sorry. No, and you know what the other thing? Michael I've told you never, crude. ever. No, he. All right, we're hanging up. Bye. And the other thing is, let me say something. I have, I have insisted you are not high ever when you are working with me, correct? No, no, no. But I'm on vacation right now. Okay, bye. We love you. Have a happy vacation. <laughs> yes. Don't take my job, huh? Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Please, I'm just keeping. I'm just keeping the chair I feel warm. Like you already got it. Yeah. No. Oh, shut up. Yeah, because you're pot, on the fucking pot makes beach. Makes paranoid. Yeah. Hey, paranoid. Don't worry, Lord. You're paranoid. Like four more times during the course of the show. No, you're not. No. You're paranoid from the pot. Enjoy. <laughs> okay, Michael Patrick King. Listen. Yes. Um, I'm not paranoid. I'm bold and comfortable. Uh, big fan of yours. My wife is a big fan of your stuff. Oh, thank you, Lord. Um, Tell us how. Tell us about all the bitches you had before you were out of the closet. Bye. Talk to you later. <laughs> She's we already classy. did it. Okay. Enjoy. We are, we Thanks for smoking. Okay. As Donald Trump said, "You're fired." <laughs> bye again. Yep. Bye. <laughs> oh my God! It's like having another child. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get the it's young kids child. listening. It's a stepchild. Yeah. All right. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. So, Sex and the City. Yeah. Do you have any idea that this is going to be the zeitgeist for how many years? I mean, it really was. Well, it ran six years um, from beginning to end. Right. But then it continued for right. another, uh, in syndication, it got even yeah. bigger in syndication. So, but it really was. It was a big deal. Huge. Oh. It was. Oh, it's just it I mean, it, it defines that period of yeah. time. That period of time. It and it was the first time. Well, it was brilliant on many levels. First of all, it it was the first show that actually used. New York City mm-hmm. as a character, not yeah. as a backdrop. New York City was one of the main characters, was, number one. Yeah. We all lived oh. here when we wrote it. Everything and, that we experienced yeah. here became storylines. Right. It was mm-hmm. very specific was to very being authentic. in New York. And, you know, I, I, as in the Golden Girls, I do believe that those women could be gay guys. I, as I do, you know, it... It is a, it's sort of an attitude or a, I don't know, they're I, so I, specific. They're so specific. I really have to say I take offense at that. No, I. I get it, but it, it, it marginalizes those ladies. I actually, don't, I didn't mean it like that. I can see, I didn't mean it in that marginal way. I just mean it in that sort of. Here's the wound that once the show became really successful. These are women. They are women yes. and they're successful women and they have, but, and they are female. They are 100% mm-hmm. female. Mm-hmm. But there is that, there's something that it, they're not victims. 
That's what I mean. Interesting. That, that mm-hmm. the male part is like we're all we are like that, and women who live in New York are like that. Yes, and they do have gay best friends, and they, men who no, understand that them. Is true. And that's why I feel like so many. I didn't mean it that they were gay. No, men of course character. not. I believe so many gay men appreciated. Them. You hit it because when it when it started, people hadn't seen women right who were both successful, successful and flawed. Mm-hmm. And, and beautiful, unapologetic, and, and independent. Stylish. Yes. So immediately, since these were new types of female characters, people started saying, "Well, they're not women; they're gay men." Well, no, mm-hmm. they're. I didn't. I did not mean. I know you I, didn't. I know, but that's what people did say that. But they, their best friends were gay men, and that yeah. is the truth because a lot of straight men mm-hmm. can't deal mm-hmm. with women who are so independent and so. Educated, and yet the straight men on the show were also flawed. Yeah, and that it was, as you say, it was either the truth or kill myself. Here's the thing: I, we didn't know it was going to be a zeitgeist. All I knew was that no one had ever said this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was completely fresh territory. The thing I'm most proud of is that we took sex and made it funny. Right. Yes. Up until then, sex and women was shame-covered. No, right, right. Yeah. It was black and right, secret. Right, right, right. And, and literally, Sex in the City, every time you see the word sex now, it's usually written in pink. Right. Because mm-hmm. of what the fizz we put on right. it. Right. The thing that was most exciting about it was, as I was single, gay, straight, doesn't matter. Anyone who feels like they are not in the mainstream of society, which at that time there was one voice that needed to be amplified that was very quiet, right. which is that single people are right. not a leper. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was a really strong reason for that show to be on the air, to, for people to claim themselves. Because, and to say, yes. just if you don't have a husband, if you don't have children... You're still a whole person. You're still a whole mm-hmm. person. Right. And and there was a great villain in Sex and the City, and that was society. Right. It wasn't yeah. the guys. No. It was society. They were flawed. They, they were, were flawed. definitely flawed. flawed. And the women were even more flawed, right. which was yeah. great. And, and the idea of writing it was so exciting, and it started because it was Darren and I, and then gradually I started bringing in women. So by the end, I was writing it with six women. Right. And everything was influenced by our experience of being, you know, the pain and the humiliation of being not in a couple. Right. You are one of the few, and when I say few, I mean can hold in my hand. That's a big Uh, hand, so that's about 12 people. Yeah, about a dozen, yeah. Okay, and a basketball. Well, if Krispy Kreme, they would give you an extra, Uh right? The the baker's baker's dozen. dozen. Of 12 people. Of... People with executive producers with a diverse writing staff. Um, oh, yeah. To this day, you do not see that. You were never ageist. You were never mm-hmm. homophobic, racist, misogynistic. You, you really are what most EPs should strive to be because you... You you look at it as sort of a baby, as a, and who's going to take care of my baby the mm. best? Who has what you don't have? Right. Yeah. I have and, this. Who has what you but don't But so have? many people are so insecure that they won't, because they, you know, and that's the basis mm-hmm. of this fucking business is that, oh, oh yeah. he's got something I don't have, or she's mm-hmm. got something I don't have. I don't want, bye, I'm not going to help you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, actually... It's more. It makes you more dimensional and you more successful. And people don't fucking get that. 
Yeah, you get to be in a room with people who can add right. rather than subtract. Right. But you have to be in a secure place in order to have those people surround you. Right. You know, I mean, do you think it was because of your age and the fact that you were like, I do it now or I never do it? No, or? I think it was because, first of all, I started with my very best friends were my three sisters. Right. So mm-hmm. I never saw like an, a separation yeah. between women and men, even right. though I'm gay. I never thought like I'm still better than them. Right. My father yeah. was the same. The I, second I of my four sisters. Sister. Yeah. My father's the same. Yeah. Second born. Uh huh. Three sisters. But yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm the second born, two sisters. Yeah, and a brother. Mm-hmm. So a brother. immediately Who uses that like. So that's why Judy thinks you're gay because right. you like women. I know because now, I'm not he, threatened. We would sleep together. He's like my best friend. I mean, yes, we did. We had a lot of fun sleeping sleeping together. Yeah, we slept together. We'd sing Georgie Girl. I mean, he's like my brother. <laughs> yeah, I got it. He's I got yeah, him. I got but anyway, yeah. but the point is. But you is know that, what? There's gay yeah. men I've slept with that I haven't had sex with, or like my right. friends. So. Right, of course. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I like to hire as many people mm-hmm. as I can who can make the thing better because right. the whole I get really excited about the thing putting on a show in my yard. Have you ever yeah. had to fire a good friend? Yes. And how did that go? It it made it, it made the new rule that I will ne- and I hate to say it I can never at a certain level work with a very close friend who's also at another level because mm-hmm. at a certain level people in your age group are already the boss right yeah. so you're already working with somebody but who's what the if boss. someone who had started with you you became friends working together and they become successful but you weren't friends prior so it's not like you hire oh you're my friend and you're funny I'm going to give you a job it was someone you hired didn't know became very close with would you continue to yeah, I mean, I mean, all rules are meant to be broken. Right. The reality is, it's just very hard for people, yeah. me included, when it doesn't work out. Right. Because mm-hmm. I love the people that I'm working right. with. I mean, it's right. hard to be in this business it's and hard have to be a the heart. Boss. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be the boss. Number one, there's a phrase everybody hates the boss. Right. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Everybody hates the boss. You. Um... Oh my god! What you ran out? You no, I I'm, I'm, I just decided I which this. one. Howard, not a good sign in the middle of an interview. No, because I was uh, like, oh, do I want to go here or here? But you identify. Yeah. You have been said that you identify with Carrie. Oh yeah, the most, and sure. you feel that most writers identify with Carrie yeah. because she is the writer. She's the writer. So you are. She's the individual too. Was Sarah Jessica Parker already cast when you wrote the first season? Yes. Okay. And was the whole the whole series was made because Sarah Jessica Parker said yes. And all of the were the other the other act- girls were cast. Yes. But oh wow. The series was built around the star power of Sarah Jessica. It was before any yeah. movie star had gone right. to cable. Really. Mm-hmm. You know what's amazing is that I've auditioned for uh, Divorce, the show she's on now. Yeah. Twice, and I really think I nailed it. Let me tell you and- something. When you audition for something twice, that's a really good sign. It means they really want oh, to use right. you, but the part isn't right yet. I was a therapist. I should have done an... Oh, no, Israeli. I was a mediator. I should have done the Israeli accent. Listen, uh, you've both decided that you're going to uh, work things out, so one take a look. All right, anyway. Yeah, you'll be on it. I hope you so. You were on Sex in the City. You were on Two Broke Girls. I mean, what more do you need? I love you. Um, <laughs> you were in but the Barnes & Noble. You said that writing... Yeah, that's right. That Judy Toll wrote that. Yes. Mm. My lover. I love I Judy, Judy. Toll. Yeah. Loved her. Mm. Um, that's another person. That is... You know, Judy Toll was a really good friend of ours who died. Yeah. No, I know Judy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She died and, yeah. I mean... And her... iTunes has her... Yes. I told you I... Sharaholic. Mm-hmm. It is... 
I'd miss her every yeah. single day. She's spectacular. She was going through chemo in the mm. the la- in the and she would wear you know people that take, wig and she'd she be like wigs. top of the morning to you. She, she gets wigs and she'd get a really long, glamorous, obviously starlety booby wig. Right. And she'd put it on and Judy and I, when she was sick, <laughs> yeah, she would yeah. She, she'd come in and we'd play mm. exec, we'd play straight executive producer and PA. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, give me some coffee. Get on my car. She'd sit on my lap. She'd go, I don't know. Should I detail Wait, your car? Did you know that when when she got oh. when she had cancer, she would call up and say, "Judy told to stage four. Judy told to stage four, please." Oh. Um, yeah. You oh. said that. That writing. You said it about Carrie, but I think it's something that says a lot about you is that writing is is the idea of trying to make life something that makes sense yeah like things that happen in your life making sense. sense it's a way of framing something right and to this day when something bad happens I think yeah. oh it would be so hard if I wasn't a writer right because I can yeah. store it away and somehow alchemize it into something else right. I can make it into something Wonderful, or right. it's a feeling that I don't want to feel that maybe someday a character will feel. Right. And with Sex in the City, it was it, the great thing about writing Carrie was aside from writing the flawed individual, yeah. you got to write the column. Right. Oh yeah. Right. 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 Sort of writer part. So that right. was yeah. Um, you have had to defend two broke girls. Yeah. On many occasions, mm-hmm. it's a. It's a sitcom. It's mm-hmm. on the CBS network. Yes, it is. It has very strong characters, mm-hmm. real characters, mm-hmm. with accents, mm-hmm. um, with prejudices, mm-hmm. and the characters say to each other things people would say to each other in a restaurant setting, or even in any kind of setting where people are really close or are forced to work together. And they have a writing staff. And they have mm-hmm. a writing staff. And... You know, there's so, I mean, there is so much shit on television. Mm -hmm. There is so much shit Mm -hmm. that gets made and so much great stuff that doesn't get made. Mm -hmm. And here we have a hit show that people are watching that is Mm -hmm. a hit on a network, which is not easy these days. Impossible. And you have to defend the stereotype one, stereotype two, and stereotype three. When you look at other shows that are, obviously meant to be offensive like that are and this is meant to be funny Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're how do you deal with these fucking these people who are so judgmental and you know it's like you have a hit uh where does that fucking come from where does that come from that you have to defend Artistry. I mean, it, you might not like the show. Fine, don't watch the fucking mm-hmm. show. But it's not, it's like, look at you. You're a gay guy. You know, you're, it's not like you're fucking Donald Trump executive producing a show. It's a hit. You know what, who the audience is. Look, here's the thing. It, it's, I don't. And they're I, watching. And right before I did, in between Sex and the City and mm. Two Broke, um, I did a show called The Comeback with Lisa. Yes, I, w- mm-hmm. I have it down here. <laughs> 
But the point is... <laughs> and it came back. It came back 10 years later because right. it was ahead of its time. Right, and, and it was say, called The Comeback. The Comeback. Because it knew it was coming is, back. <laughs> people, people look at the first episode. Oh, that's it. And they go... They assume the worst. They mm-hmm. never think somebody's on track and they're going to develop, develop. and mm-hmm. have an arc and grow. Yeah. And then you see it later. You're like, oh, it, it, oh, it, it had makes a method sense. to it. When when Two Broke Girls came on, and I don't, I'm not really defending it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, when Two Broke Girls came on, it was five years ago, and the very first thing that happens in the pilot is Kat, the the amazing Cat Denny says in the very first line, Jewish. When um, a waiter is snapping his fingers at her, mm-hmm. Miss Dude, Dude, she says, "You think is the sound that gets you service? I think is the sound that dries up my vagina." I love that first. 20 seconds. That was our hello. And a lot of people were like, no, now let me remind you, this is before Girls, before Broad City, before Train Got it. People Mm -hmm. weren't saying, is the sound that dries up my vagina yet. Um, I was. (laughs) But I said cunt. Go. Yeah. But the idea is anything new is always... It's like that commercial with the... New ideas, baby. That's everyone is throwing away. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. white thing. You have a yeah. When you, you know do, what I'm talking no, about I the don't. monster who's in the fuck the IBM commercial where yeah. the monster's in the bit in the thing and it's really ugly and people are throwing shit at it yeah. and then finally the IBM opens the door and he walks in and he's like, you know, beautiful. Yeah. Look. The so fact that's of the what is, I'm hoping about my career. Um, you have to because <laughs> you are the white monster. Um, <laughs> Here's the reality is you always have to defend your stuff. And mm-hmm. if you care. It's like there's no disclaimer. Like I there are like I love Lisa Lampanelli. I she's a great person. But I always felt like at and this I'm just saying this as an example and it's not only her, but she often said these are just words. I don't, you know, I'm not being offensive. I have, mm-hmm. you know, I date black men. I do but I would rather she didn't say that. Just be who you are. And you don't have to disclaim. Look, Two Broke Girls was written as a melting pot show. I wanted to come back to the to the live audience because I saw too much abstract sort of single camera comedy that I yeah. didn't think there was anything in the in it for the audience. At right. home. It felt like writers were having a good time writing stuff and maybe right, the actors right. were having a good time, but they weren't jokes. And I had done a beautiful single camera show. Right. I had done Sex in the City. Which and you yeah. want to do a traditional I to come sitcom. Because mm-hmm. I had done Murphy Brown. Yeah. Right. And I remember the excitement of an audience. And I thought, if I'm coming back, I want to do a hard hitting, joke driven show. Now, as I was a stand up, I know what a joke is. Right, yes. I know. So it all comes back. You hit mm-hmm. a joke in front of an audience. And I thought, what's missing from television? I didn't see any. I wanted to go with a young group, mm-hmm. demographic. I didn't see any young, hardworking girls on television. I had this idea. I got Whitney Cummings to write it with me because mm-hmm. I wanted a girl in her 20s. Mm-hmm. Whitney was a stand-up. We right. wrote a really hard-hitting show. Right. But we wanted it to reflect a New York diner like the West Way or like some uh, right, 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 yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So the Melting Pot cast, you have Garrett Morris who played Oh, God. Seven, and is he the fucking nicest guy? <laughs> 76-year-old African-American. Yeah. Who invited me Matt to a Moy, show. I gotta go who's on. Who's an Asian-American yeah. playing a Korean-American. Right. Then you had a Russian in the view in the way that people used right. to have, you know, Andy um, right. Kaufman used to right. do an yeah. accent. But they were diverse and wild points of view. But no one, everyone is so 
It's like we've gone backwards. It's like, honestly. Except uh, that we, 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 we say a lot I'm more and we mm-hmm. get away with a lot and I call it high low brow like, right your kid can watch it yeah. your seven year old kid right. can watch it and think it's colors right you if you understand words get oh, well that's a really really <laughs> yeah. very dirty clever joke right right <laughs> so it's like cartoons if you're a kid and if right. you're an adult you can enjoy it and if right. you're 70 mm-hmm. which is a lot of CBS right. they get titillated right. by it right. but there's an arbitrator well, in the I'm middle well I'm almost 70 can I get a fuck show on CBS? All right. There's a whole layer that what comes between you, you and the audience, which is the people that say, we don't like multi-cameras. Right. Yeah. They're out. Right. We don't want women to say vagina. Right. We vagina. don't want any right. racial jokes. Have you looked at the world now? Right. This is the time to talk yeah. about things. All right. So. All right. All right. All right. So now you are you have this hit show. Yeah. Will, will you produce more stuff? Yeah. If you had a friend that you've known for like 30 years mm-hmm. who has written... And they're still in the business? Yeah, and they, okay. they've written two pilots that uh, are excellent. Mm-hmm. Would you even have the time to give notes or for that person? Or is that like, oh, I'm not working with friends? I am so... Offended okay, so... That you would bring Howard and I here... Just for this moment, if I had anyway, wanted to read, oh, shut the fuck up! <laughs> so, Judy, I will read anything you write. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. But if you want, if you really want my opinion, because yeah. a lot of people just want to be on the air, they don't want an opinion. No, I want an opinion so that I can mm-hmm. get on the air. Yeah, and get a right the right showrunner. Okay, listen. Yeah, I love. First of all, I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, we always ask our, and I know the answer to this question, but we ask everyone, we ask everyone what antidepressants they're on. I know you have probably never taken an antidepressant. I have never taken an antidepressant. You've never had a drink. I've never had a drink. Have or you ever a drug. smoked no. pot? Have never. you smoked a cigarette? Yes, for a play. Do you think you're really smoked. healthy? I am very healthy, but I have to work hard at it. Really? I don't drink because I'm afraid I'll be a drunk. If that was your father. Now, you don't mention your father a lot. Did you have. I talk about my father. My father was amazing and he had a massive drinking problem. Okay. Mm. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people of our generation, like women, especially in, like we grew up middle yeah. class, upper middle class. Mm-hmm. And you would see, I mean, I remember a family, they, the parents went out to dinner dead. Uh, the both fathers died in a car accident. Obviously, they were drinking, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there was a lot of if the women were housewives or something, you know. Here you have a, an intelligent person who's like delegated to being a housewife, or mm-hmm. you know, they have martinis, they smoke, they you know. It, it's really oh, it's different. it's amazing. Yeah. It was I very mean, different. Well, that then. was the thing to do then. It was very yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Right. Uh, my father eventually stopped drinking. Right. And mm-hmm. he was, he saw my, my success. Right. He was, a, he loved sex in the city. He's, right. Oh. And we ended so well. See, that's all that matters. We ended so well. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot, you know, when, when a parent and a child don't connect, I think the grown up attitude is what percentage of it are you not bringing? Yeah. So I have to say, I, I, my father was a shock. He died swimming. I was 27. Mm-hmm. I, I, so there were no, I couldn't, I don't, you know, I wish I knew him 
now. And he was like, in good shape, too. Yeah, no, he was in very good shape. Interestingly but, enough, you know, like, when did you come out? Why did you come out? My push to come out was I believed that it was my duty, destiny, life journey to make sure I told my father I was gay. Mm-hmm. And I did. It was my life journey to make sure I told my parents I was gay, especially my father. I used mm-hmm. to think... Well, I'm so glad I, I lied to my father If on the he phone. dies before mm-hmm. I tell him, I felt like that would be, if that's weird, a spiritual failure. I don't know if you can... I, feel, I know. I feel like my father knew. And he was just of saying... Of course he I'm called sure you and said it. Too. I mean... Yeah. He suggested you and might have a girlfriend. And one year, Sharon couldn't make Thanksgiving or something and he said it's not going to be the same without he was such a nice guy and when I told my father he just looked at me Mm -hmm. with like his eyes were Mm -hmm. very blue and it was just this beautiful look like now everything makes sense this is what I knew all along and he smiled and he was filled with love and I don't think I had any unresolved with my mother Oh, no, not at all. Okay. No. No, uh, I think your mother saw your resolve on stage every time. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Judith, was, um, are you dead? <laughs> what happened, Judith? I have Judith. I have some... And first, she was so proud of you. First of all, right. so proud of you. Carolyn Strauss and I still talk about you with the tape recorder. That was mm-hmm. Carolyn Strauss's favorite bit. Judith. Hey. Oh, I have so many more. <laughs> I, but that was classic. No, there's a new... There is another one I was doing last year about... Uh, because she was in the nursing home and she hated the food and I swear to God I probably have it on my thing. Is still in your act? Yeah, I have it. How amazing is that? Mm. I did 25 Questions for a Jewish Mother the show that Mm -hmm. was off Broadway here um, in Toronto Mm -hmm. and I was so worried it was right after she passed away I felt like we were on stage together. You know, it's like, I feel like she's with me. I talk to her sister a lot and, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel, and people wrote to me like, oh my God, I'm going to miss your, like she was sort of a comedian, you know, and. You created a comic character of your mother. She she was like your co-star for a lot of those sets. Mm -hmm. I know. Um, Before we get to what really pisses you off. Okay. Because I want to know what really pisses you off. You have a quote that I love. You say, in life, you have to follow the green lights. That is my big thought. I was, when I was an actor and I would come off stage and I would look, I was okay, but I would look at people and I always wanted them to like be lit up right. and say, you were great. And there was always a kind of a thought or a question like in their eyes, like it didn't quite mm-hmm. do yeah. something that I wanted it to. And when I started doing improv or comedy and I came off stage, it was complete affirmation and joy. Mm. And that's when I started realizing you have to you have to go where that face is looking at you. And that was like a green light that was like yeah. go where the green lights are and yeah. in a, any career but especially in an artistic career there's a lot of red lights and there's a lot I of I get the light lights. all the time <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of yellow lights but yeah. my, my sort of philosophy in life is look for the green lights and yes. by that I mean I, look where people are encouraging you to go mm-hmm. and, and be around people that you feel the best around and the funniest around or this, the most strong around mm-hmm. you know, and try to avoid the yellow lights it's really simple I know and when there's a red light mm-hmm. as hard as it is Stop. get the signal 
Right. It's a red light repeatedly, not right. one time. Right. Every time I try to get them to see Black, me this way, they don't. They don't. So mm-hmm. stop. Look around. Mm-hmm. Where are the green lights? And, right. and go in that direction. You know, I... Um, That's great. I know. That and, is just great. And I, for me, mm-hmm. um, I've done many iterations of my career. I, You know, I did stand-up. I was on a sitcom. And then Henry was born. And then I wrote and produced for Rosie. And then I did these off-Broadway shows and mm-hmm. I toured and more TV and specials. And and recently, I guess about a year and a half ago, um, I went back to the cellar because I used to always work at the cellar and yeah. I, I avoided it because I was pregnant, six months pregnant, and uh, someone blew, was smoking. It was when you could still smoke. Mm-hmm. And I said, can you please stop smoke in the front row? And they took a hit of the cigarette and blew it in my face. Right. And no one did anything. This is before the cellar was hottie hot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, fuck the clubs. Fuck the, you know. And I went to do theaters and, you know, I do stand up at Caroline's or Gotham. Sure, sure, sure. The classy places. And I went to do the uh, the Montreal Comedy Festival last year the fort in 2014. And I was talking to Lynn Coplitz and I was like, oh, I really miss the cellar. I miss it. You know, I hadn't been there since like 2004, you know. And um, she's like, go back, go back. And I wrote to Esty and Noam. I said, I want to come home. No. And I am there for like three, four. I mean, I, I am You're back. kidding. Three, four nights a week. I go, de- yeah. I do sets. Like I, you remember everyone yes. used to make fun of me. Yeah, I still do that, and it's like I'm the oldest person there. But I, that's what I'm meant to do. It's like I was yes, doing right. these other things that I was really successful. Mm-hmm. But so now I want a fucking special, like everyone else has a special. Well, but you I will. Yeah, but I have been, and you know, I've been aged out of a lot of certain things, Comedy Central and stuff like that, which is fine. But <laughs> I'm fucking funny, and it doesn't matter. You know, it's Henry says to me, "Can you do a uh, my my friends my brothers and his fucking frat love your podcast? Can you do a set at the frat?" I'm like, "I'm not doing a set at the fucking frat." But that That's these twenty year yeah. old guys are like, "You're so fucking fun," and I. I love that my demographics are. That is where I'm meant but to be. But that's also because you have such a young mindset too. You're so playful. Oh, I'm such a baby. I am the five year old. That's when I didn't take antidepressants. Mm-hmm. What pisses you off the most? I think the thing that pisses me off the most is that I care what other people think. I really hate still that about myself. Still, it's the, it's the mm. final frontier for me. To it's a trick because you have to listen to the reaction to your work, but I don't like the fact that I go even further and it bothers me what people think. That really? pisses me off. Mm. Like I think you should be further along than that now. You got to get involved. It's still a little bit, but I got to tell you, when I get on stage and there's one fucking fabicina, miserable punum, <laughs> and the whole audience is like, ah, "I love you." <laughs> All I think about is that fucking miserable hunt <laughs> sitting in the front who probably, you know. You can go yeah. wide with that. Mm-hmm. You could have, uh, 
Oh, well, you know I have to approach. What right. happened? I, I say, what what happened today? No, that you have to sit look. there at my show. <laughs> Seriously, I want to know why you're so fabulous. I do. I ask look, them. It, it happens everywhere. Your movie can open and you can have the giant blockbuster weekend and you're thinking about the verbissa face mm-hmm. of the critic right. who said that it's garbage. Right. It's ridiculous. Do you read reviews? Uh, I, I, I don't now because I assume. You know what I mean? If, yeah. If they get sent to me. I assume, oh, maybe you can glance. Right. But, uh, you know, I have to look at ratings for part of my life. Mm -hmm. I I don't like waking up and having to look at ratings, even though it's all changing and none of it means anything right Right. now. Right. But, you know, you still I don't either, unless someone says, read this, it'll be helpful. Yeah. Because if you read a review, especially, I've been in a few uh, uh, musicals and other shows, it... You'll think every time you get to a certain part that they mention, you'll fucking think about that mm-hmm. comment they made about, uh, you know. Yeah, that, that's, it ruins it. And the other thing is now everything is a review now. I know. I mean, everyone's a reviewer. Everybody's mm-hmm. a critic. And you go to the right. conference and you're equal weight with a blogger who has right. five people in the New York Times. Right. And it's weird. But, and also the comments below. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the two scariest words in the English language now are read comments. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you do... And it's psychos yeah. have a platform. Well, people have oh, a yeah, platform absolutely. that And you can talk yourself in and out of the, right. the idea, well, they're sitting at home right. on the couch right, and right. I'm actually doing it, but it still gets in your head. Right. right. And the, stays there. Stays mm-hmm. there. Um, do you ever get pissed off, like, because you live in L.A., you're in fucking traffic. Like, do you ever... I got pissed off in New York yesterday. Why? Because I came back, I live here, I have a place here, I came back, I was going to throw a beautiful Christmas party. You did. You were there. I threw a beautiful, gorgeous, unbelievable, festive Christmas party, and everything for a month was trying to be taken care of, and the day of the party, the city opens the street oh, yeah. in front of right. the apartment, and the jackhammering is so, and I thought to myself, you can dress it up all you want. <laughs> But New York City is a real bitch sometimes. <laughs> oh. She's just going to do what she wants. Oh, I know. I couldn't. And the only person yeah. who could anyone could hear at the party was Judy. <laughs> <laughs> She's the only one who could ice yeah. out the jackhammer. But that was eventually, funny. eventually they went away. But it's 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 a rough city. <laughs> I don't get bu- it's true. Yeah. You can't. I don't get bugged. Mm-hmm. I don't get bugged by traffic in L.A. I don't have to move really? in, in rush hour. I can. I go for work very early and come right. home in weird hours. So no. I fucking I can't take the fucking. I, I think it was better not knowing when the subway was going to come. Now they have these signs up: twelve minutes, right. four minutes. Th- I don't want to know because you're not. <laughs> when it says twelve minutes, I want to fuck it. Like it was never twelve minutes till De Blasio got here. It wasn't ever twelve Why minutes. Why do you need to know twelve minutes when you're right. hoping maybe it's two? Right. Right. And so, that's so 10 you're like, oh, right. Right. Well, look at I got in the elevator. I couldn't get into this building. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't tell you how to get in the elevator. I know. I got in three elevators. I went up to thirty-five <laughs> and came down. Right. And I just looked at these two girls like I don't have a clue. Right. No, there's no instructions. Because you got to right. fucking press the thing. Yeah. Right. And then it tells you what elevator. What happened? I don't know. And then I, I get off. Do, you have no I control. get off on this floor and it says call people. And I press O and a woman says CBS. And I said, hi, I'm here to do the Judy Gold podcast. She goes, where are you? I go, I'm on 44. She goes, we, our building doesn't go up that high. I'm in Soho. I, are I you know, kidding? Why, yeah. why, why are you answering the phone at the time life building? I know. We got to get a receptionist here, Patrick. There was yeah. one. What the fuck happened? Layoffs. I couldn't get in either. I had the same problem. All right, with this fucking. <laughs> no, but it was fine. We got in. All right. <laughs> I can't. I don't know what to say. This has been 
like one of my favorite shows. Really? Because I I have no clue. I feel like I'm just talking uh, to you. Howard's a listener. I'm a listener. How would you rate this? Well, well, because I'm a part of it. We don't listen to reviews, Judy. Look away. (laughs) (laughs) This was, well, this was just my favorite podcast. Because you're on it? Well, no, because I'm listening. Because I'm sitting here and watching the interaction between the two of you. um, And it's just so spontaneous and so real. You know what else is great about this podcast? What? No video assist. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm just so... Because so I just want to talk. You yeah. look so pretty today, Judy. You look so gorgeous. I look so fucking I, awful. I, I, I'm sorry <laughs> that no one could see us. Yeah, We're going to take a picture that we're... we're you do look oh, beautiful. We yeah, we'll take a picture. Remember and, your pretty press conference? Yeah, I used to have a pretty press... <laughs> <laughs> was that college? No, no, that was when you were doing uh, when you were at the comedy store. Oh yeah, it would be. Do, it, it was, and I would have everyone ask me questions about what it's like to be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, I forgot about that. The pretty press conference. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was really fun for me. Oh my god, I love this because I get to talk. You know, like comics, and I don't know, talking to people about who they really are. You know. It, yeah, I don't care about like people go on so many shows mm-hmm. to promote shit, and I really right. want to know what makes the person tick. You yeah, know? and you're you're so nice and so genuine, oh, and just God, Howard. no, it, I mean it's just it's Vomit. get Lauren on the phone. <laughs> no, because I didn't know you before. I just met you today. Yeah, so and I didn't know you before. I know, and you both you have been major influences we in have, my life. Yes. We have both done. A good job. That's amazing. Of backing you up. Yeah. Thank you. And letting you shine. Absolutely. And having my back. Having your back. And loving you for who you are. <laughs> oh, God. Is this the point where you say that Howard's the father of your babies? Yeah. Uh, uh. No. 6'4". Uh, he's 6'4". Six, four. Six, four. Mm. All right. He's so, not, sorry. No, that's Howard's yeah, not the didn't father. Didn't quite work. Right. No. No red hair either. Oh, well, he has Judy, I wish you... Uh, a happy New Year. I wish you a happy, healthy, uh-huh. best to Craig. Thank you. Um, Howard. Yeah. Wish you happy, healthy, even Shana though it's Tova. not really the real New Year for us. <laughs> well, right. But it isn't. But uh, I want you to do me a Christmas yes. gift. Yes. I really want you to give me, a, when you're going to end the podcast. Which is now. I want you to give me a really classic It's Judy show. Okay. And, and, and indicate yeah. the spit curl okay. that is no longer there. <laughs> okay. First of all. Thank you for listening to Kill Me Now, everyone. It's Judy's show! (laughs) So long! And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.